0: Welcome to the bits of balance podcast a place where health and wellness is talked about and viewed through more than just a physical lens but an emotional social spiritual and intellectual lens as well over here we believe that health promoting behaviors should add to your life rather than take away from it i'm your host jacqueline bett a non-diet registered dietitian to be a certified personal trainer and an extreme ice cream enthusiast in this podcast you will hear special guests and myself share our journeys and how we are working to find balance in our own lives. We will also discuss ways to ditch diet culture and find food freedom. We'll also be diving into how to discover your own healthy relationship with exercise and ways to be at peace with your body. But most importantly, I hope for this podcast to inspire and motivate you to find your own balance while practicing wellness without obsession. So let's dive in and discuss some bits of balance. Hello and welcome back to the bits of balance podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad that you have joined me for today's episode. And if you're not new, welcome back. I always love chatting with you each week. I'm going to try to make this introduction short and sweet because I really do just want to get right into the episode with today's special guest because of how truly amazing she is. Today's special guest is Emily Feichels. Emily is a content creator and and podcast host working to create impact through the power of shared experiences and personal insight. After struggling through her own experiences with mental health and eating disorder and chronic illness, Emily now works to support others in their own journeys. Her philosophy centers on 360 wellness to build self-awareness and tune into the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. She also shares her experiences of taking the non-traditional route without college and how she's built the life she lives now. Connect and learn more with her at Emily emilyfeichels on Instagram and through her podcast, Let's Thrive. So today, Emily and I discussed so many great topics that I think a lot of you will be able to relate and resonate with. This is one of the best conversations I've had in a while, really just because of how authentic, vulnerable, and down-to-earth Emily is. So now I kind of just want to touch on a few of the things that we discuss in today's episode. First, Emily and I dive into the obsession with health. We discuss really how to navigate this and realize when health is taken too far and when it actually becomes unhealthy. And Emily and I have both personally struggled with orthorexia, which is an eating disorder really centered on an obsession with health and like, quote, clean eating. So I think that we can both really speak to that. Emily provides a step-by-step approach that helped her to heal from this and how she was able to dismantle her identity of being the, quote, healthy girl at one point in her life. We also dive into what health and wellness means to her now and how it all really encompasses mind, body, and spirit, and that health is so much more than just physical, but it's mental, emotional, and spiritual as well. Emily also shares her story with battling disordered eating alongside of a chronic illness diagnosis and how these are really intertwined for her. Lastly, because Emily did take the non-traditional route to get her to where she is today. She shares some inspiring thoughts regarding how we can achieve what we put our minds to and how she truly believes that if you have a dream and a vision, it's important to act on it in order to fulfill that purpose. There are so many other wonderful things discussed in today's episode, and I could have talked to Emily for hours, but let's just get right into it. Welcome, Emily.
1: Hi, thank you for having me on. I am so excited for this. It's truly just making me so happy right now.
0: Of course. And I'm so excited to have you. And I just shared with you, I guess I'll share with the audience now as well, that your podcast was one that I found right away when I started listening to podcasts like a year and a half ago now. And you were a big inspiration to me to start my own podcast. So I love that. It
1: makes my heart happy. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right.
0: Well, we'll start off the show like we usually do with five fun this or that questions. Are you ready to get into these?
1: Yes. Oh, I am. I'm so ready. <laughs> All right.
0: The first one is sweet or savory breakfast.
1: Oh, sweet. 110%. I sweet. A huge sweet tooth. Like, yeah, if I, if I don't start my day on a sweet note, something is probably wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Good to know. I kind of figured you were going to answer that way, like from your recipes on your Instagram, but I was like, I also see a lot of like avocado toast in there. I was like, maybe yeah. that's a thing. So I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I usually, if, if, if I do have savory, there's usually sweet alongside it. I will say that. So <laughs> perfect.
0: Got it. You can, you can combine there. Yes. <laughs> All right. And then the next one is, would you say you're a morning person or a night
1: owl? Ooh, I feel this one. I've been conflicted on for a long time. I think I want to be a morning person and I, I do love my mornings but creativity wise i am much i'm much more efficient with my work and my creativity at night and mm. so i think my natural tune might be more night led but i really do love early mornings uh, and just yeah i don't know that wasn't I a get that normal, but i feel like yeah maybe more night but i want to be more morning person
0: <laughs> okay okay that's fair i know i feel like i'm somewhere in the middle as well i i'm pretty productive in the mornings but I feel like I, I shower at night and I always get shower thoughts like shower thoughts are a real thing for me. So. <laughs> um, all right. The next one is night out with friends or relaxing night in.
1: I feel like this has changed more recently because I spent a lot of my teen years and even like in the past two years just doing the night in night at home thing and i feel like i'm just entering this new phase of my life and also with the world you know like opening up again and such where i am just like i'm ready for connection and just to be with people so mm-hmm. lately i've been quite surprised by the fact that i'm craving more of those like nights out night outs or just being with people even if we're staying mm-hmm. in um yeah i'm just in a phase of my life where i really want connection and i spent a lot of time in that like solitude phase which can mm-hmm. be amazing too But yeah, right now I'm like, I'm all about connection and people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Connection is so important. And I think that it can change. Like you said, it can go back and forth. Like there's certain periods of our life where we just need to be like alone or whatever it may be. And then there's other times where like, let's hang out with friends all the time. Like let's go out, things like that. So I definitely understand that. And then the next one is ice cream or cookies as dessert.
1: Oh, my heart is torn. Uh, (laughs) I usually combine them both. But I think my default would be probably cookies only because I'm such people that follow me know, like I'm very big on textures. And so with ice cream, I usually have to have something else for like added texture, which would be cookie or chocolate Mm -hmm. sauce or whatever it is. So if it's just plain ice cream versus cookies... I'd have to go for cookies.
0: Cookies. All right. All right. I'm going to gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I'm a huge ice cream person, but your cookies always look so good. I commented on your cookie picture today because I was like texture on point.
1: <laughs> that was a lucky batch.
0: <laughs> All right. And then the last one is beach vacation or mountain
1: vacation? Beach. A hundred percent. I grew up in the mountains, like in a le- legitimate valley between two mountains. So I love mountains for- forever in my heart. But I've I love my beach time because I don't get it as often, you know. So and I just water is so soothing to me. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, beach. right. Um, wait, where did you grow up at? So like middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, just like tiny, where I lived was like actually classified almost as like a village because there weren't any stores, gas stations, anything. It was only homes, and there was you know a certain amount of occupants. And yeah, I mean, it was in the valley between mountains and, you know, I had cricket in my backyard and huge fields, mountains, trees all around me. So it was beautiful, but once more like that feeds into that, like solitude sort of like quiet life. (laughs) So, um, big change of pace now being in Austin, but yeah,
0: I was just going to say that has to be such a different dynamic now being in Austin. That's like a huge city, huge, like growing city as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, perfect. Thanks for answering those. That was fun. And we'll start off by just having you give my audience an introduction as to who you are, what you do in your career, like what you're working towards and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So Emily here, I always kind of explain who I am, what I do as fundamentally, you know, I'm an evolving human. I am, you know, an ever-changing soul, kind of in this body, figuring things out. And What I'm currently up to and what I currently like identify with is just being a overall content creator. And that is through Instagram. It is through being a podcast host. It's through doing freelance work, you know, whether that's writing articles or speaking events or doing, you know, other side projects. I'm also a waitress on the side. I am a virtual assistant. So I, I like to work. I really do find what I'm passionate about and I pour my heart and soul into it and, um, you know, part of that passion is just making an impact and helping people in all the ways that I needed help before or currently in my life. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm always up to something, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. always, always doing something. Uh, and it's just sort of, you know, like my lifestyle. But yeah, it, it's neat. You know, it's a good combination for me between administrat- administrative more task oriented work, and then the creative flow, you know, social work, being inside, you know, by myself, computer work. So it's, it's a neat combination for me. And it, it's all part of my buildup for what I hope to eventually do, you know, and that's just expanding what I currently do now into bigger goals, bigger ambitions, uh, and exciting things, even if I don't fully know what those are yet. So Mm -hmm. no, that makes sense. No,
0: it's, it's all a process of, figuring out like what you actually want to do. And I think that there's so much pressure put on us at such a young age. Like you need to know what you need to do, like, or what you want to do. Like when you're like 17, 18 years old, still in high school. And you're just like, ah, like, I don't really know, but you're doing so many amazing things and I can see it all like weaving and coming together and it's going to be beautiful. So I love that. And you mentioned a little bit about just like helping others with things that you've dealt with and maybe like, in your own like health journey, wellness journey, or whatever you identify it as. Um, But could you touch a little bit on your own journey with health and just
1: your past with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. And that ties, I mean, immensely into what I'm doing now and what we're talking about, because that's what started it all for me. You know, I, growing up, I was just happy go lucky kid. Um, But unfortunately my mom battled cancer and, you know, a few other conditions just from the time I was about four onward. And so I always had that presence of health, so so to speak, in my life. Um, but then when she passed away, when I was about 10 or 11, I just, that's when everything really started. And I, you know, it's like dark night of the soul for me as a child. And um, from that, I just quickly spiraled into disordered eating. I developed an obsession with health. You know, I I wanted something to control. I knew I couldn't control death. I couldn't control cancer. And so what could I control my body? You know, and that was Pinterest. It was magazines. It was diet culture telling me to do X, Y, and Z to shrink my body, to be healthy so that I wouldn't get cancer, so that I wouldn't die. You know, this is all the thought process of a child Mm -hmm. that's going through a lot. And so that's what spiraled me into my first part of my health journey, which was a severe, you know, situation with anorexia nervosa, and probably lots of different mental things going on as well. They just unfortunately weren't caught, weren't diagnosed at the time, okay. um, and so yeah, that would continue from the time I was about ten or eleven, and you know, things kind of get blurry because then it's like, at what point, you know? And I'm sure you, anyone that's gone through disordered eating when the lines start to get blurred between there's a point when you think you're recovered, but in reality, you know, you're not, it's a pseudo recovery phase. And I don't really know when that transition happened, but as the teen years progressed, you know, I just sort of dipped in and out of more subtle dieting. I knew to never let my, you know, I had gone into treatment. It had got me weight restored, but it hadn't helped any of the internal struggles that really fuel disordered eating. And so when I came home, you know, I was about 13. And from that point onward, I knew not to dip my weight too low. I knew I had to maintain a certain level of health, but I was still stuck in this mindset of like an ideal weight range I had to be in. So I would yo-yo between restrictive eating to binge eating, to over-exercising, to just an overall, you know, developing extreme body dysmorphia. And so as I was kind of struggling with that, you know, there was also the mental health side of things, which, you know, that included depression and anxiety and just other behaviors that, you know, I still don't know what exactly they're stemming from, but I could see them so clearly portrayed in those times. And then when I was around 16, I started to experience like actual health issues, struggles, you know, and these were different than the self-inflicted ones of disordered eating. And they kind of, you know, they were whatever, and I'd get them checked out by the doctor, but nothing was really done. And then by the time I was 17, I mean, it was just so intense that I just remember having a thought of like, am I dying? Like what is happening to my body? I mean, it felt like it was shutting down from the inside out. And I knew it was more than just the disordered eating. You know, I knew that wasn't inflicting these symptoms. I was like, it is something more. And um, you know, part of that was just extreme fatigue. I'm talking like I'm walking my dog and suddenly it feels like my heart's about to give out. Like I'm so exhausted. I could fall asleep on this pavement below me. Um, It was, you know, extreme stiffness and achiness in my bones. Like I remember in my joints, like I remember waking up and having to do like 15 minutes of stretching just to feel like semi-normal 17 year old Right. Cause like Mm. I'd wake up and be so tight and just like cracking and stiff. Um, You know, I'd be at that point, you know, I was eating a good range, but I just couldn't keep on weight and I was losing hair and just pale. And so all these symptoms and that really catapulted me into like my next health journey, which was shifting focus away from just like the disordered eating to now, like, how can I fix this? How can I get better? Um, so yeah, that kept going on and doctors would just run some tests and say like, you know, we don't know what it is, or it's just stress, whatever. And, uh, it was hard because they weren't testing for the right things. And so certain levels looked okay. And I couldn't, you know, I, I looked, okay enough from the outside it was more so this like internal just illness that I could feel and so yeah that kind of prompts me into part of my story I'm sure like we'll touch on later but I had gone to college decided it wasn't for me and just really took came home from that and I was at the sickest I would ever been and just said you know like I need to figure out what's happening I need to finally work on like this lingering disordered eating that I'm going through, which at that point was orthorexia, like the obsession with being healthy. I need to figure out what is wrong with my body. And I just, I want to feel good again. Like I want to feel Mm -hmm. like a normal 18 year old. And so for the next few months, that was when I started my Instagram. I started my podcast and I would work when I could, but I was just so sick that I mean, I'd like fall asleep in the middle of the day, and I was eating so much, and no, no weight was sticking to me. It was, it was really horrible. And what ended up happening was about a year into this all, you know, I had tried a lot of different approaches, both Western and Eastern, holistic, functional, all the things. And uh, what actually ended up happening was an Instagram friend of mine, the woman I now work for, Casey of the Mindful Hapa. Uh, I was staying with her and her husband was listening to my symptoms and looking at test results and kind of put two and two together of like, I think you have hepatitis C, which is something that my mom had had for a brief stint during her battle with cancer. And so sure enough, that led to me getting tested. They ran the right test this time. It was very specified. And yeah, we discovered that I had chronic hepatitis C. And what was neat about that experience was that getting diagnosed with something that could be a everlasting progressive, you know, terminal condition really put things in perspective of me for me of, wow, like I'm still stuck in my disordered eating cycle. Like I'm still struggling with this every single day. Now I have this condition that my, I might never get rid of, and that will only progress. And I have it at such a young age that you know, that's even more, you know, worse for me than if I had gotten diagnosed later, etc. And so I just remember having this big epiphany of like, what am I doing with my life, right? Like there was lots I was doing to really live my life and follow my passions, but I was still just being so held back by this obsession with health and with health struggles. And so that was like the health journey and what led after that was getting treatment. And thankfully it worked for me um, since I was young and since we caught it early on. So I was able to stop the virus from replicating. for the hep C. And then with that, I started to really dive into healing with my disordered eating and allowing myself to gain weight and, you know, embracing fear foods. And there's so much that goes into that too. You know, it's Mm -hmm. year long journey. you know, so much goes into it, but um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a rough tumbling health journey, but when the two worlds really collided between this chronic condition and then this condition that I'd had for years, that was when the epiphany came to me. And I just really realized like, what am I doing? You know, like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm living for each day and I'm not living for like a future that I want to have. Mm -hmm. And so that was when things really changed and shifted for me. And, you know, here I am like a year and a half later, and I just can't believe that I've like made such progress in recovery from disordered eating and in recovery for health. And so it's just um, really neat. But I think, you know, a lot of people can relate with that idea of, you know, whether it's advocating for your health or struggling through health symptoms that you're not able to find an answer for, or just struggling with disordered eating, like, I don't know, health journeys can just be such a complicated thing for so many of us. And that is why I do the work I do through my platforms, uh, because I needed support during that time, and I couldn't always find it. So now it's like, how can I pay that back?
0: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. And thank you for sharing all of that and all of your story. That's so vulnerable. And beautifully said as well, but I guess I don't really know exactly what hep C is. So could you kind of give like a brief brief overview of what hep C is?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And once more, y'all know from my intro, I'm not doctor, degree certified, anything, <laughs> but from you know my own understanding and just as like a basis of it is it's a virus that essentially affects the liver. And so what can happen is that um, most people you get it and you start to experience these pretty, you know, severe symptoms. And if you catch it within the first few months, it's quite not easy, but there are treatments available to essentially go in and kill the virus, kill it off. And, you know, you're good to go. Um, Unfortunately, if you're someone like me, where when I got it, my diagnosis, my viral load for the virus in my body was over 11 million. And for the average human, it's below 15. So that's what, that's what certified mine as chronic. Cause I probably had it at that point for like one to two years without realizing it. That's why my symptoms okay. were like building, building. So the treatment I did worked by, you know, it was intense. I took it for like six to eight months. I think it was eight months. Um, and that's like the shortest amount of time you can take it. Some people are on it for a year, a year plus very expensive, very grateful. My insurance covered it, but it does work in the same idea of it it has to work a lot longer and a lot stronger to kill because the virus at that point just continues to replicate. Mm -hmm. And so it goes in there and does that. But but yeah, what, what's tricky with hep C is that if you keep, you know, if it stays in you long enough, it really impacts the liver and whether that's liver cancer, scarring, uh, overall liver damage, it can impact, you know, the brain, the gut barrier. Overall, it's just such an inflammation in the body. It's such a nasty Mm -hmm. virus to have. So it's, um, yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of ways it can be transmitted, transferred. Uh, so it's, it's something that needs, I think a lot more recognition and awareness in the health (laughs) field. Um, which is why I'm like always down to share about it because, you know, I have a (laughs) unique story with it, but nevertheless, like I just want to help people know that it's not, it doesn't always have to be this big, scary demise and, uh, you know, it doesn't have to carry the stigma with it that it sometimes does.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's so crazy to me that you went to your friend's house, like after you'd been dealing with all these symptoms for so long. And then just then is when it was kind of all put together. That's, that's crazy. And it does say something to the healthcare system. Like you, I think you said, you looked okay from the outside, like physically you looked fine. And I think that uh, that also can be related back to diet culture in general in the healthcare system. Like you look okay, you're at a healthy quote weight or quote BMI or whatever it may be. So you're fine. Like, but no, the thing is like people can have disordered eating and eating disorders at any weight, any size, any shape, they can be in any body. So I just wanted to point that out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that you mentioned a lot about having that obsession with health and trying to be as healthy as possible. And you mentioned like your mom battling cancer and that kind of influencing that. But I guess just like how would you say you really worked through that health obsession? And what steps did you take that helped you realize like, what I actually think is healthy, isn't healthy, because I can resonate with you so much. I'm kind of going on and on. But like, I, um, I also dealt with anorexia in the beginning in high school. And then my parents at the time kind of like controlled it. So I was back to a healthy weight and looked okay, physically. But then like, Once I was kind of forced to like gain the weight back, it so quickly shifted into orthorexia because I was like, okay, if I'm going to eat, well, then I'm only going to eat healthy things. And like, that was, it was just another aspect of control, which I'm sure you can relate to, but going back to my question, how did you kind of work through that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, as you were saying, it's a cover-up and I always say that the tricky thing about eating disorders or disordered eating in general is that it's so easy to just swing from one thing to the next. Right. And whether that's, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not obsessed with being skinny, you know, quote unquote, skinny and anorexic anymore. It's like, no, I just want to be healthy and feel my body. It's like, okay, well, are you still afraid of eating certain foods? Are you still labeling things? Are you still afraid of gaining any weight or changing the exact body shape you have? You know, are you whether, and sometimes, right, that's falling into like for me for a bit, like my stunt started with veganism, you know, like I, Mm -hmm. nothing against it. It was just for me, I couldn't do it because I was trying to, I was like, oh, I'm vegan, you know? And so it's like, that's just another way to place those labels, place that all of, but overall, like what helped me work through that health obsession and orthorexia and just like the mental presence it had on me was that's like, you said it there, but it's understanding that like, I'm not actually healthy. Right. And healthy is such, I feel a tricky word. I, you know, I usually refer to it as like 360 wellness. I try whatever it is. Love that. Yeah. Focus, yeah. on like mind, body, spirit, whatever. But I just, I just don't know whether it was, you know, before it was definitely before the hep C diagnosis, but I think it was, you know, kind of in that time when I was coming home from college and I felt so sick and uh, I started listening to podcasts actually. And I heard about orthorexia for the first time. And immediately I was like, ooh, that might be me. That kind of sounds like my thought process. Oh, I do that with food. Oh, I think that way. And so I I started to kind of gradually become aware of it. And then in those months when I was feeling so sick and such, I just kind of started coming to that realization, as you said, of like, I'm doing all of these quote unquote healthy things. And yet I feel horrible. You know, like my body is obviously not doing good. Like something isn't right here. And so it still took me a long time to really accept the fact that, you know, no matter how hard I tried to be the healthiest version of health I could be, that just wasn't cutting it for me. That wasn't working. And so I think what helped me and what I always advise people to do is that you really do have to build that self-awareness. Like listen to podcasts about it, listen to professionals about it, see if you can find books or research, whatever it is, like the more you read about it and the more things click in the place of how you resonate with it, I think that helps build that self-awareness. And I think that's, it's the first step to like anything and everything, because with the self-awareness can come the self-acceptance of, I struggle with this, or this is something I'm going through. And I think you need both of those, or at least one of them before you can move on to that stage of asking for help or accepting help or just, you know, motivating yourself to help yourself. And so then from that point, it was just, I think, breaking down the steps like one by one. And that was something that I've been doing over the past two years. I mean, it would be like all of a sudden I'd realize like that I was still having fear foods, you know, around XYZ foods. And I would be like, okay, like let's work through those. And so I'd just start with one food at a time and I'd work through that. And then I'd move on to the next food. And then, you know, like the next month, and maybe be like, you know, I, I'd dive into like, oh, I, you know, I feel guilty if I'm not running every single day. Like that's another part, right? Like that's exercise addiction, but it can also be that like idea of running is the only thing that'll keep me healthy, whatever. And so I'd start being like, okay, can I do bar? many days of the week yoga walk and then maybe run two days a week and so it was like over the past two years like that's what i've been doing i've been detangling myself from orthorexia and from that health obsession by just step by step working through these beliefs and fears and just overall you know thoughts that have infiltrated in my mind from diet culture and so i always suggest to people yeah that first thing is like build the self-awareness have the self acceptance of you know I'm struggling with this or this is what I'm going through and then whether you're working with a professional which is great if you can do that and if you can't then it's it's like do it do it on your own and try to find these steps that you can take and manage and whether you're sharing with somebody online or you have someone in your life or as i said before professional like i just think for me that was the be- the most like the best way for me to do it was step by step fear by fear, rule by rule, removing label by label until I'm at the point now where I'm still not fully there. You know, there's still stuff I struggle with, but, um, it's yeah. To see the change from, you know, today to six months ago, then a year ago, then a year and a half ago, et cetera. Like that always motivates me as well, you know, to like Mm -hmm. going in a sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the
0: like staged approach that you're taking there, because like you said, just building that awareness first and acceptance is so important because I know for me for so long, I was totally in denial. And like, I even went to get help while I was still in denial. And I mean, that transitioned very quickly because once I actually went to a therapist and like went to get help, I was like, okay, now I know what I have. And like, that was the beginning of me even understanding like what an eating disorder was. And one thing is like orthorexia is more of a new eating disorder, I guess. Like it's mm-hmm. not something that's really talked about as much, but I think that it is so prevalent and just being also in the field, I guess that I'm in as well. Cause I'm kind of in like the fitness field as well. Like I'm a personal trainer and I started out, my Instagram as like a total fitness page and have transitioned a lot from there. Um, but there's, I know it's funny to think about now, but there's like oh, I love it so many, so, so many like orthorexic tendencies that I see and just like eat this, not that like, and labeling foods as clean and labeling foods as good and bad, just food morality overall. And mm-hmm. just breaking that down step-by-step, step, like you said, just challenging yourself with, one new fear food like just this week and then you look over the span of a month and you're like wow like I did that and how much more free do I feel now like I just think that's so important and yeah and also just dismantling that identity to health did you ever feel like your identity was wrapped in being like the healthy one or like anything like that
1: oh a hundred percent and I've talked with quite a few people and like they say the same thing on this where it's like growing up, I was that quote unquote healthy girl. Like it was all throughout my high school and my family, you know, and there were, there'd be like comments made of, you know, like any food I made people wanted to eat. Cause they're like, this is healthy. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, go for it. You know, eat it. Yeah. Or, you know, they yeah. say like, oh, I so admire your like motivation to, you know, be fit, do all this, like all these, st- all this stuff that like, looking back now just makes me cringe. And I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a hundred percent my identity and it's something I still, I've been working to detangle even, right? Like with starting my Instagram during a time when I was still in the depths of a lot of this and the same with the Mm -hmm. podcast. And I look back at, you know, things I've said in the past or things I used to believe or think or whatever. And yeah, I mean, my identity was completely tied into that health because it, it was all I prioritized and all I focused on for what, like eight, nine plus years of my life. And it was almost like, who was I without You know, like without these, this presence in my life. And I know Mm -hmm. I have a few friends who talk about this, but when you are recovering from disordered eating and an eating disorder, there's a big shift that happens internally too, as you shed that part of your identity and as you let go of something that holds such big presence in your life. Like you, it's something you don't realize until you're starting to step away from it. But disordered eating, eating disorder thoughts take up so much space in our mind. And because of that, we hold so much of it in our body as well. And when you're not thinking about food 24 seven, when you're not thinking about your body or fitness or this or that 24 seven, and you don't have that constant chess game going on in your head. Like, I think a lot of us experience that kind of like, I don't know, odd sensation of like, who am I? What's next? Mm -hmm. What do I do with my time? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I do if I'm not tracking my calories after I eat, or if I'm not, you know, tracking this or that. And so it's definitely a part of the process that I think it, it can feel hard, but it also provide, it can provide such growth of like you're shedding one identity you're shedding like so many layers, like, okay, like how can I use this to build something new, right? Like what can you take on? What can you like fill your life with again, that brings, you know, instead of that obsessive, just like dark spiral side of diet culture and what can you fill it with instead? And maybe that's creativity or academia or connection, overall joy, work, passion, impact. Like it's not about just like filling a hole, you know, you don't want to just like sub, take that out and immediately replace it with something else, but Mm -hmm. what can you start to, Like, how can you sort of start to like build yourself up again? And like, I don't know, just almost like build more layers or open yourself up to like new possibilities and opportunities. And so I feel like that's the shift I've been also making in like the past year is just really Mm -hmm. understanding and coming to terms with who am I without an eating disorder? Who am I without a chronic condition? who am I when I feel good? And I feel like I have extra space in my mind. And um, yeah, I mean, that can be a tricky question to answer. So
0: yeah, yeah. And the extra space in your mind it it's the most freeing thing. And I remember like, for so long, I felt like bored. I was like, what do I do now? Like, I'm, I'm not thinking about food all the time. Like what hobbies can I pick up? And I'm going to use your words here, but like, we're all evolving humans. Like you said, we're shedding layers. We're constantly growing, constantly evolving. So yeah, just finding you gave so many great examples, but just finding other things that you can do to fill your time with that you're passionate about. And I feel like you and I both, because we have had these experiences, we can use all that we've learned and went through and everything to help others and put put the message out there and just share it more. So I think that's awesome. And then I did want to ask you, like, I guess now with what, with where you're at, what does quote health or like quote wellness, like what exactly does that mean to you now after all these years?
1: Yeah. I love that because what a shift, right? I mean, I, I'd be curious to like hear your own version and hear anybody's version of this, but I mean, to think about what I used to associate with health, which was you know, just so many toxic diet culture traits, and to compare that to what I now can, you know, think of it as, which is, you know, it's, you know, the slogan as well of my podcast, but 360 wellness is what I think of it as. And that is caring for your mind, body, spirit. It is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. And to me, and to me, you know, and what I always tell people is that can be something for everybody, you know, it is mm-hmm. unique to you as an individual. And I think that transition has happened over, you know, the last few years as I've slowly started to realize the importance of mental and emotional health and spiritual too. Like for so long, I was obsessed and only focused on physical health and I was doing everything for physical health that I just let myself unravel in my mind and in my emotions and in my just like soul, you know, spiritual being. And so to spend this time over the course of the podcast and just life growth in general and start to prioritize those aspects of wellness. Like I've never felt better, right? Like now Mm -hmm. it's like, I genuinely feel the best I ever have and I'm not necessarily doing all the Best physical, you know, whatever it is. Like I'm not following the stereotypical standards and guidelines for what should be for physical health. And yet mm-hmm. I feel better than ever before m- most days. <laughs> I digress most days. But um yeah, so it's just interesting to me. And I think, you know, if I had to define it, that's what it would just be is it is tuning into what your body needs on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. by that I mean not just the physical, but the mental, emotional, and spiritual too. And I think that has been the biggest thing because life, your body, everything is constantly shifting. And so to give something one specific definition or one label is just absurd to me. And so instead to just have this overall philosophy that shifts with you day to day, something you're tuning into, you're becoming aware of self, you know, awareness is huge for me. I think that's what health wellness means to me. And, you know, that's why some days it looks like doing a... You know, workout or an intense workout, and you know, fueling my body in this way, and doing X, Y, Z, and then other days that looks like, you know, not working out, and you know, eating whatever sounds good, and then I'm going out and drinking with friends, and you know, getting ice cream at 11 p.m. or what, you know, staying up till 2 a.m. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and what's funny is that the more I do that, and the more in tune I get with in my body with, you know, do I need that type of fun adventurous night, or do I actually need to stay home and sleep? Mm -hmm. The more I do that, like, it's just crazy how I can have a crazy night like that, where usually you think you'd feel like absolute crap the next day. And instead I wake up on four hours of sleep and I feel amazing. And it's because that emotional side of me that needed that connection and that fun has been completely recharged. Sure. Mm -hmm. Physically, I might be a little like slow, but I feel great because I focused on that emotional health aspect. And then on the days when I'm prioritizing physical health a bit more, I feel great because physically I needed extra support. And then on days where I do therapy and journal and meditate and all that, I feel great because I tuned in, I knew I needed the mental support and I gave myself that. So I think it is about tuning into your body each and every day, having that self-awareness of what do I need and remembering to just really think on, prioritize and direct your attention to, yeah, those kind of like four pillars, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual Mm -hmm. and look different for everybody.
0: Right. Yeah. And no, I totally agree with you that tying all of them in is so important. And I truly believe like you can't even be physically healthy if you're not mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Well, like Mm -hmm. I just truly do not think it's possible because you, you need them all to be there. And I think that a lot of what you're saying is really trust your own intuition. And I think that we're sent all these messages from the world in general. And like, it teaches us not to trust our own intuition ready that whether that's not trusting our hunger cues or just not trusting that we need a rest day from the gym or like whatever it may be, we're taught just to ignore that and like to do what we're quote supposed to do. So I think that that's beautiful. Just building that awareness around your body and mind. They're all so interconnected and then kind of, shifting topics a little bit quickly so first you're just so insightful about everything that you say and it's just so easy to listen to you um and I know you mentioned like you grew up in this teeny town in Pennsylvania now you're in Austin Texas and you tried college but it really wasn't for you um so I guess just like how have you navigated not taking that traditional route and like what has that been like for you because I feel I don't really know many people like that because all my friends like here, we're all in college together. So I would just love to hear from you about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's quite, it's just quite the journey I'd say in itself and similar to you. I mean, I have one friend actually, and that's a funny story in itself where we like inadvertently without realizing it both left college on the same day. So we have like very similar paths, but like, you know, we took it in different directions. We're doing very different things now, but besides her, like, I don't know anyone else that has done this either. And so it, to me, it feels very foreign and every day, nearly every day I'm questioning, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, And (laughs) I I think the biggest part of it has just been overcoming the limiting beliefs and the self-doubt of you need college and you need a degree to be successful. Right. And. I mean, it ties right into diet culture, but in a different sense, it's society and societal standards telling you what you should do or what you have to do to be the societal definition of successful or well-off or smart, you know, educated, whatever these labels are. And so, yeah, I mean, I I had gone to college. I was there for a week. Uh, I love the school. I love my roommate. We're still good friends. She designed my tattoo. You know, it was like an overall great experience, but I just knew I was like, I'm not meant to do this right now. Like maybe I need a different degree. Maybe it's, you know, I'm just not that interested in, you know, veterinary technology anymore, but I'm just not meant to be here. And I let myself have a few days to stew it over. And then ultimately, yeah, I decided I got all my money back and I came home. And that was when I decided like, I'm going to figure out my health issues. I want to recover from this eating disorder before it continues into any more of my life. And I want to figure out like what I'm meant to do. And that's such a like big question, right? And so it really was this neat experience where I told myself that taking this time from college, I still, you know, it wasn't just me taking a break. It was me embarking on what I called like the school of life. And for me, that meant I wanna do everything I can and I wanna try things. I wanna be curious and I want to follow the urges and like the intuition I was starting to tap into. And I want to see where it takes me. You know, like I all my life I followed the rules, both in society and by diet culture. You know, I'd done everything I was supposed to, but I just couldn't make myself do college, even though everybody was telling me to do it. And so, yeah, I just took, the, I embarked on this journey of the idea the school of life. And yeah, I started my Instagram. I started the podcast. I meal prepped on the side. I worked in different, you know, stores and um, environments in my hometown. I took like little certifications and degree programs online just to see, you know, what interested me. And I, I finally got to travel, you know, I, we never traveled a lot as a kid. We went to the same beach because that was, you know, what my mom liked and mm-hmm. we weren't going to be traveling around the world with her sick. So I finally got to travel a bit and I saved up money. And I, you know, I just, I sort of, I don't want to say it was on cruise control because I was constantly going, I was constantly working and evolving. But for the first time in my life, I was just sort of letting myself go with the flow, you know, like if an opportunity came up, I went with it. Um, Or if there was something I really wanted to do, I worked to make it happen or I worked to get as close to it as I could. And what was amazing is that the more I did that, the more my intuition, I grew my intuition and the more I built that self-awareness and that not only helped me in my health journey and with recovery, but with my work and with my overall essence as a human being Mm -hmm. and so that's how I ended up here where I just kept following the urges and the tugs and the intuitive pulls that I felt and all those little nudges that we all get we just often choose to ignore them Mm -hmm. and so instead I just sort of let myself follow them and you know that eventually led me to then doing you know like virtual assistant work and freelance work and then I, yeah, I mean, you know, then waitressing. And so I just kept doing all these little side things. And then, yeah, with COVID and everything that happened in this past year, I was just like, I'm ready for the next chapter. And to me, that is moving out of this town and it's going somewhere where I can build in-person connection now and I can network and I can implement all of these life skills I've accumulated through interviewing over a hundred people and working in all these different experiences and you know, reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts. I had all these life skills I had accumulated. And I was like, now it's time for me to start the next chapter, which is in person. And it is putting, I had gotten comfortable too. Right. Mm-hmm. And i that's like a whole other conversation. But um, so, yeah, I was like, it's time for me to mix things up. Let's move. Let's get entirely uncomfortable all over again. And let's apply these life skills I've learned and let's start dreaming big. Like, let's start moving on to phase two of this school of life. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I visited Austin before, loved it. It's a great city and place to be for everything that I'm doing. And so I, yeah, I mean, I, it took me about a month to find a place and then I packed myself up myself up the day before and then left, you know, left the next day, drove cross country and here I am. And the amount of change and growth and evolution I've gone through in the past, I don't know, eight months of being here is astronomical. Like, mm-hmm. I have changed in so many ways that never before could I have imagined. And it's all because I got uncomfortable. I put myself in a situation where I couldn't rely on XYZ, I couldn't just sit in my safety bubble. I had to utilize the life skills I had learned and actually like grow and just bloom (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like all the cheesy cliche things you could say. Like, I just can't say enough, like how transformative this entire experience has been. And um, I mean, there's a lot of, there could be a lot of privilege in my story. There's also a lot of things that I don't share about like the work and everything I did to get to this point. Mm -hmm. But overall, I just always strive to remind people that like, you can do whatever you set your mind out to. Like it might take a lot of work and it might be a time in your life when you are hustling 24 seven, as much as I hate that lifestyle. But like, if you have a vision, if you have like a dream and a goal you want to get to, like, I'm just a big component of like, do that. Like, don't waste your time for too long, right? Like I know there's Mm -hmm. all times where we, phases of our life where we have to do, this and we have to do that and we can't just abandon everything and, you know, go on this journey. But if you can, it's like, I always say, you know, like, why not? And I think that just comes down to this like big appreciation I have for like making the most that I can out of my life after losing two people that were, you know, the closest people in my life and having them both say to me in different ways, like live this life for us, you know, like we, didn't get out to do these things that we wanted to so like make sure you do that and so mm-hmm. I carry that with me and so yeah I mean it's it's a very like I don't know it's not a quite so typical journey I suppose but um that's why I like to share about it you know it's yeah something different so sorry that, that was, was a long yeah. ramble no no that literally like intertwined mind. stories I always get like woo, all over the place with it but yeah
0: (laughs) no no that was great I appreciate all that you're sharing and it literally just like makes my heart so happy like hearing you like say that about like that you're living out the experiences that the people you lost didn't have and that you couldn't have with them and I think that Mm -hmm. is incredibly special and yeah wow I'm like I'm like right now I'm like I need to pack my bags up and get out of Ohio (laughs) like last week I went to Colorado to visit my sister she just moved there and like we've all always lived in Ohio, like my entire life I have. And just to see her like out there and go, like, I was like, I can do this. Like I have one more year and then I can do this. And just hearing you talk, I'm like, my motivation is like skyrocketing right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. I, my family lived in Ohio. I've been in Ohio, like this is not like, this doesn't have to be the case for everyone, but like, yeah. I mean, if you live in Ohio, Pennsylvania, there are specific areas (laughs) where it's like, if you live, you'll understand, like, there's just something to be said about getting out of there and just like putting your, like going somewhere new. And um, yeah. So it's like, you don't have to do that, but if it's, if you're feeling pulled to, then it's like, why not? Like if you, and if you can make it happen, like why not? And yeah good old Ohio. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, why not? I agree with you. And like, yeah, like you said earlier, might be a little uncomfortable and like just figuring out how to navigate like the discomfort and the uncomfortable feelings there and knowing that, yeah, if you're being pulled there, trust your intuition and do it. And I feel like I can feel myself being pulled there eventually. So hopefully, hopefully I'm not just saying this and that actually goes into action, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, to kind of start wrapping up, I have a couple final questions for you. So the first one is, what is advice that you would have given your younger self, whether this was right when you maybe were diagnosed with hep C or earlier on, like in your disordered eating journey or whenever it may be?
1: I think, you know, maybe my younger self wouldn't have been receptive to this, but I still would have wanted to hear it. Uh, And I just, this came to me in an Instagram caption the other day, but just the phrase, or the idea of focus more on your mind and less on your body. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like also a good summation of everything we've discussed today too, right? Like it's, we just live in such a society in a world in a culture where so much emphasis is put on our body and that just has so much, so much impact, so much more impact than I think we even initially realized, right? Like for instance, my hep C was triggered by something. And no doubt it was a few situations happening with my body, you know, whatever it was. And so overall, I just feel like that phrase of focus more on your mind and, you know, whether that's mental health, emotional health, whatever, and less on your body. I just, I don't know. I think that would have been really good to realize. Uh, Of course, we all go through our journeys for a reason. We learn, we grow through them. But yeah, if I had to give advice to anyone, you know, that would be it, I think. Yeah. I would love to tell my 15 year old self the exact same
0: thing. Cause I mean, everything is rooted in our mind and Mm -hmm. it ends up, it comes up in our body, if that makes sense, but it's definitely rooted in our mind.
1: Like, can you imagine if we were taught about mental health in like middle school and then like high school when we're, it's like the most trans, like one of the most transformative times of your life physically. And then also that's triggering the emotional mental changes. Like if we were taught about some of these like mental health or just whatever, you know, like, oh my gosh, I just can't imagine how different it would be. And I've never, I've never even thought about that.
0: How is that not in the education?
1: Like, no, literally like, like, like,
0: yeah. (laughs) like like Even if it was just
1: like a bit like of learning about like understanding. I mean, and I guess there's probably some times when it's like depression, anxiety is brought up, but like, even if it's just, I don't know, like, I don't even know what exactly the curriculum would be, but yeah. Just like to have some awareness around mental health and emotions and like these crucial aspects of life.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And like just better coping mechanisms and things to do, like teach us how to journal, teach us how to meditate. Like honestly, like at a young age, how transformative would that be? That's a good point. And then, okay. So lastly, what is a quote or a mantra that you live by or something that just really resonates with
1: you? Mm, I love that. Anyone that listens to my podcast has heard me say this way too much, but it is my go-to and I will forever stand by it. Change is the only constant in life. And to me, that just always kind of humbles me. It grounds me of, you know, as someone who loves control, craves control, many people that go through disordered eating, eating disorders, people in general, right? Like there is this inherent craving, need, desire for control, and to remind myself, and and then also, you know, there is this, I feel in that, this duality with, you know, wanting to control our present or our body, whatever it is, um, in fear of change, because change often brings up feelings of discomfort or fear, anxiety, fear of the unknown, etc. And so to remind myself that change is the only constant and that change is always happening, you know, like nothing else in life is ever going to stay the same definite naturally, you know, without extreme you know cause going into it is the essence of change and so it just reminds me in those moments that yeah things are changing you know my body is changing uh my relationships are changing my work is changing you know my external environment is my internal environment is and that's okay like it is a constant it is something we cannot control and i just have to remember in those moments to let it be and like to surrender in a sense And Mm -hmm. so just reminding myself of that is just crucial. And so I try to say that to others as often Mm -hmm. as possible as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that can definitely help with just like anxieties and knowing that things are going to change and you can only control what is in this moment. You can't control the past. You can't control the future. Just know that you're only in control of this moment. So change is going to happen.
1: Yeah. And then even remembering like, yes, you're in control of this moment, but change is constant change is going Mm -hmm. to happen and so soon enough this present moment that you are at least feeling you're in control of will be in the past and you have to let Mm -hmm. that go you have to let it transition into the past um and so yeah there's just I think like a lot you could dive into with that but it's just always a humbling moment for me so true so true
0: All right. Well, I feel like I could keep talking to you forever, but we'll start to wrap up now. Um, Such an insightful and awesome conversation. Definitely one of the best I've had in a while. Um, But to kind of wrap up, uh, where can people find you at and connect with you? I know we've talked a little bit about your podcast and Instagram. So where can people connect with you?
1: Yes, I will first start out by saying I love to connect. I'm not always the best at getting back to DMs in a timely manner, But like, once you're DMing with me, we're talking, we will go there. We'll talk, we'll chat. So you can find me on Instagram at Emily Feichels. Uh, That last name is spelled F-E-I-K-L-S. And then the podcast is Let's Thrive, available on all platforms. Uh, I do have a link to it on my Instagram bio. And yeah, I mean, it's conversations similar to what we had today. Uh, We go there in quite a few of them, you know, in the mental, emotional health realm, Some of them are more educational, informative, et cetera, but overall, it's just a safe place for anyone and everyone to find an episode that they resonate with, or that can inspire them in their own journey. So thank you for having me on and letting me share a bit about mine and overall, just you're an amazing host. So this was immaculate. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'll be sure to like link
0: those in the show notes below so people can access them easier. But anyways, thank you so much again for coming on. Love it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you had so many great takeaways just like I did. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me and help support my show if you left a quick rating and review on my show. I love to hear your feedback and all of your thoughts. In addition, so that Emily and I know that you're listening, feel free to screenshot the episode, post it up on your Instagram story and tag Emily and I. And also send us a DM, send us a chat, um, whatever you feel like was your biggest takeaway from today's episode. We would love to hear that as well. And once again, we'll chat soon.